and we are thankful for our mothers. I'm thankful for my mother. Uh, yeah, we thank God for the mothers. Um, can you imagine what it was like for my mother to raise four boys? There were four of us. There were four boys, and they were like me. She started coloring her hair at a very young age. I probably shouldn't have said that. I know. I've, Edie's looking at me and said, that was a mistake. I feel it. Uh, I'm thankful for my mom and her enduring love and her faithfulness in helping me to see who I am and who I can be in Christ Jesus. And truth is, that took a lot of work, and it still takes a lot of work. And my mom passed that duty off to my wife, Edie, who plays double duty of helping me see who I am in Christ and who I can be and should be. And she is a mother to our four daughters and helping our four daughters understand who they are and who they can be in Christ. Uh, and now, I don't know if you know this, but I have a granddaughter. Her name is Nora. And uh, we join her parents in helping Nora come to know who she is and who she can be. It reminded me of uh, Michelangelo in uh, uh, the Renaissance period. One of his first major works, and really the work that made him famous, was the Pieta. Uh, the Pieta was uh, a, a sculpture that he carved out of marble. And as he spent five years uh, knocking away chunks of stone, uh, he was finding and creating this beautiful uh, image of Mary, the mother of Jesus, with Jesus, the crucified Savior, in her lap. A, a beautiful masterpiece that really put Michelangelo on the map. People would come, uh, masters uh, would come and study this masterpiece that he had created. Now, because uh, the intricacy of the folds in the robe and uh, the uh, the the powerful imagery of a mother and a son, but more than that, Mary and the Savior of the world. It, it captured the hearts of those in that generation and of every generation since. Michelangelo created a masterpiece. We look uh, and uh, art experts estimate that Pieta is worth about $300 million, but in reality, it's priceless. The masterpiece is priceless. This morning, I want us to lean into this simple truth that we find in Ephesians chapter 2, that by God's grace, He has made us His masterpiece. By God's grace, He has made us His masterpiece. That's who you are in Christ. That's who I am in Christ. Now, there's a world of voices out there that would scream against this one truth or scream contrary 
things that would fight against this truth. Some say that you're a, uh, you are a masterpiece because um, you're a woman. And although I'm not fighting against that, I'm just saying that there's more to being a masterpiece than just your gender. There's more to being a masterpiece than the jobs that we do. Being a masterpiece, being um, a handiwork of God's grace, is something that God does and something that God creates us to be. But once we discover that we are His masterpiece created by Christ and God's grace, then it establishes for us a firm foundation upon which we can live each day. You are, if you know God through faith in Christ, you are the handiwork of His grace. You are. Um, the, the reality is that so many of us either don't know this or have drifted from this simple truth. It's a truth that's found in Ephesians 2.10, but as many of you know, Ephesians chapter 2 is uh, perhaps my favorite chapter in all of Scripture. In Ephesians chapter 2, there's this journey that we must go on to get to verse 10. And the journey begins in verses 1 through 3. In Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, we hear about the way we were. We were dead in our sin. Dead being a spiritual condition. Dead being the condition of our soul, empty, incomplete, chained to the, uh, uh, to the shame of our guilt in our sin, condemned by our sin, destined, according to verse 3, to wrath because of our sin. Our sin has separated us from God, and we can't fix that in our own effort. And that is our dilemma. Verse 4 introduces God intervening on our behalf. So 1 through 3 says we're dead. Verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together in Christ Jesus. By grace you have been saved. And he's raised us up together. And he's made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the dispensation of the fullness of time we might be the showcase of God's great kindness and his grace toward us who believe. For by grace you've been saved through faith. That not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You, if you are in Christ, you are a masterpiece created by God's grace. And I want us to see that, to sense that. And there are some absolutes that I'm making claim to here. And if you know me, and if you have any kind of um, idea about the, um, the platform upon which I stand and the Bible that I read and believe, you know that these absolutes are not surprising. 
There's only one way to experience the full measure of your identity as a human being. There's only one way, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. There's only one way for you to experience the fullness of purpose and meaning in your life, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. There's only one way for us to experience the full flavor of our value as created beings, and that is through faith in Christ. This is the way God works. He, he chisels away the chunks of sin that have separated us from Him, and He makes us His masterpiece. By God's grace, He has made us His masterpiece. And that means that as we look at verse 10, we trace through this journey that hopefully you've been on. And if you haven't, I pray that you go on. And this journey begins with a recognition of our sin. My sin has separated me from God, and that's separated me from purpose, and it's separated me from joy, and it's separated me from peace, and it's separated me from life, and it's separated me from hope because it's separated me from God. Every person here has that dilemma, that dark cloud over our soul. We are dead in our sin and trespass. But God, who is rich in mercy and because he loves you, sent Jesus to rescue you by God's grace. And this is the gracious act of a loving God to bring rescue to us who have sinned against him. The only avenue for us to experience the full flavor of of. of of life itself is by God's grace. But when we have tasted God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, verses 8 and 9, when you enter into that transaction of God's grace where you say, I can't, I can't make it on my own. I need God to rescue me. So I trust that Jesus died on a cross for my sin and he was raised from the dead to give me a new life. And I trust in Jesus in that saving way. In that moment... God opens our eyes to see, first and foremost, that we are His masterpiece. God has made us to be His masterpiece. By His grace, He's made us His masterpiece, His handiwork of grace. And that beautiful picture of of being God's handiwork of grace is seen in the very first phrase, That we are God's handiwork is what cries out in verse 10 at the very beginning. For we are God's workmanship in the New King James. Your translation may read a little bit differently, but you know what? Workmanship, that's a Greek word that means we are God's work of art. Personal endeavor of the living God of all creation to make us a masterpiece, his handiwork. And really, what I pray happens for us is that we begin to understand 
all of us are going to go through tough times. Every person here has experienced their own trauma and their own tragedy, and I understand that. Every person here experiences their own ups and their own downs. There are barriers to joy that confront us at every turn, and I understand that, and I'm in that journey with you. But in the midst of the highs or the lows, I pray that we understand that you and I in Christ are a handiwork of his grace, a special created thing that he has taken great care and, and great delight in. You're, you're his handiwork. You're his poem. You're his work of art. Now, that's who you are. And, and even though some might say you are just an old chunk of coal, you can always respond, but because of God's grace, he's already made me a diamond, and I'm going to see that someday. Even though we have these great downturns in our circumstance or uh, toxic voices speaking it to our soul, we can respond because of Jesus Christ, I am God's work of art, here and now, just as I am. Nothing added to it. This is who I am. I'm his handiwork. I'm his work of art. He might say, well, that's easy for you to say, preacher man. You, 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 you've never been punched in the mouth. Well, you don't know that. I have. More times than I can count. Been punched in the mouth and kicked in the shin and knocked to the ground, sometimes by others, sometimes by my own choice. But I understand what it means to limp through life. I understand what it means to be in a big pit and not knowing how to get out. I understand that. And even in the darkest and lowest moments of my life as a follower of Jesus, I know this one thing. I am God's work of art. Amen. And that's not based upon me. That's based upon Jesus. We are God's handiwork. That's who you are. So please don't listen to the voices, the toxic sounds that would somehow want to diminish what God has done for you when God declares you are his work of art. Understand, God don't make no junk. And that's who you are. You are his masterpiece. You're the handiwork of his grace. Live, live every day understanding this beautiful, creation that you are, that God's grace is made. We are God's handiwork. But as I've shared, we are God's handiwork not based upon what we do. We are God's handiwork because we are in Christ Jesus. We are God's handiwork in Christ Jesus. Again, verse 10, for we are his workmanship. And then these, this phrase, created in Christ Jesus. That's Huge. That's, that's so huge. We live in a day and a time where identities are created in a lot of different ways in a lot of different places. But please understand, there's nothing new about that. In my life, somebody says, well, hey, Eric, tell me about yourself. I am a pastor. So often, my identity can be linked to what I do. 
And for many of us here today, that's how we identify ourselves. This is who I am because this is what I do. And the minute we link our identity and our value to what we do, in that moment, we've diminished what God has already done for us. Our identity, our value is not based upon what I do. It's based upon who I know and to whom I belong. I am a work of art not because I've done some good stuff. I'm a work of art because I have by faith taken hold of Jesus and he has brought me into God's family. My identity is connected to Jesus. My identity is not connected to other sources. And the minute my identity begins, I connect my identity to other sources, in that moment, I'm diminishing my personal value. No longer am I a work of art by God's grace, but now I'm a work of Eric's effort. And where God don't make no junk, Eric sure does. So today, if you're here and you come to Mother's Day and you've been longing to be a mother, but you haven't been able to be a mother, or you've experienced great loss uh, in motherhood, or your mother is not uh, a thought that gives you great joy, whatever that is that you come here with, and I understand all of that, please know that your identity and your value is not in the title mother, but rather your identity and your value is connected to your relationship with God through Christ Jesus. It's Jesus who has died for us. It's Jesus who's made us alive through his own death on the cross. It's Jesus who's raised us up together and seated us in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It is Jesus who gives us life. It is Jesus who gives us purpose. It is Jesus who gives our everyday meaning. It is Jesus who connects us to the Father. It is Jesus who walks with us through the valley. It is Jesus who gives us hope. It is Jesus who gives us joy. It is Jesus by which we know love. This is is our life in Christ. That is my identity. And as followers of Jesus, it must be yours in order to experience the full flavor of your value. The value is already stamped on you. The value is point one. We are his work of art. That's who you are. That's who I am in Christ. But I take hold of that value. I walk in that value. I live immersed in that value as I remind myself my identity is in Christ. Okay? Now, here's the test to where, uh, to, to, to where you're finding your identity and your value. The test. The test is... What do I invest my time, my energy, my money, my resource, my emotion in every day that makes me, I think, happy or sad? That's why I say for a preacher, it's oftentimes being a pastor. Uh, most of y'all know by now, I've already said it once, but I want to say it again. I have a granddaughter. Her name is Nora. You, you want to know why I keep saying that? Because in part, that gives me delight. But even being the poppy to Nora 
is not my identity. It's good. It's great. But it's not my identity. My identity is wrapped up in one thing. That is Jesus. That's the way it's designed to be. Because when we are God's handiwork, we we see that we're his work of art. That's the truth of it. And then we see that we're his handiwork and our identity value is based on in Christ Jesus. Then it gets us to number three. And that is we are the handiwork of God in Christ Jesus for good works. It's got to flow this way. So you begin with, the, with the, uh, uh, the value that God has stamped on us in Christ. We are his work of art. That's who you are. And whether I do good or do bad, I'm still his work of art. Can you imagine? No matter how I perform, I'm still his work of art because it's a product of his grace and his love, not a product of my effort. All right, so, so this is who we are. And then we see that we walk in that when we understand that who I am is tied inextricably to one person, and his name is Jesus. Not my effort, not how I behave, not how well I do at this or how well I do at that. It is all about Jesus. So my goal every day, I need to wake up pursuing Jesus because he is the one who, who wakens in me my value, my identity, and my purpose. I've got to start there. So many followers of Jesus, many of whom are in this church, and Eric Thomas himself, go through the day trying to find value that's already been given to us, and we're trying to find it in what we do and how well we do it, or what we know, or how well we know it, or with whom we hang, or how well we hang with whom we hang. When in reality, the way we find our value every morning as mothers, as fathers, as sons and daughters, the way we find our value every day is by pursuing Jesus, connecting with him, pursuing him with all our heart. And he pours into us this wondrous identity and value. Even though there are a lot of voices around us yelling at other things, this is where we need to go. And so, as we understand who we are, I'm a workmanship. I'm God's workmanship, the workmanship, the handiwork of his grace. I'm his work of art. I'm his masterpiece. We understand how that happens. It's in Christ Jesus. It's not anywhere else. It's only in Christ. Then we get to the good work. Again, listen again to Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Here's part of the problem in church life, especially in our church. I I can speak more authoritatively for our church, but this problem in our church life, our church life screams sometimes, do, 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 without the one and the two. Oh, we, we, man, just, if you'll just do more, you'll be better. Do more, be more. But that's not, that's not the flow. That's not the way it works. The way it works is we understand who we are. I have my um, uh, value because I am God's handiwork of grace. Not something I did, something he did. And I will experience and walk in that value as I remain connected to Jesus Christ and pursue him. It's in Christ that that, that uh, value comes alive and the meaning of my life comes alive. So based upon the one and the two, now I get to the good work. The aim 
of me being a handiwork of God's grace, the aim of me being his masterpiece, the aim of what God has done for me in Christ is so that the result would be the good work. Now, what is the good work that God prepared for him? There are plenty of things in Scripture that we know are the good works. You have the good works of sharing the gospel with others. Every person here who is a follower of Jesus, we should be telling others how they can be followers of Jesus. We are his witnesses. We're supposed to be making disciples, and we are passionate in pursuing disciple-making. This past weekend, uh, uh, yesterday, in fact, which was Sunday in Southeast Asia, uh, we were able to launch our, uh, a new church plant in a capital city in Southeast Asia, and, and our people were boots on the ground and helping in that launch, and that is a product of what we do as a church, and it's a product of our family of faith doing the good work. We, we want to make disciples of all people. We, doing the good work is, is uh, um, uh, helping our neighbor who is in struggle and in trouble and, and just being hands and feet of Jesus with them. Doing the good work is, is being kind. It's being compassionate. It's being tenderhearted. This is the good work. We know that, that there's so many things in Scripture that are very clear. This is the good work. But on a day like today, on this Mother's Day, I want to challenge you specifically and intentionally. I don't know how many of y'all know my wife's story. Most of you probably do, or many of you perhaps do. My, my wife's story... Um, included this one very painful period of her life that, and the pain still lasts through today. We call August a, 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 a very bad month. It was in August that uh, when Edie was uh, in her 20s, early 20s, single uh, young lady, um, she had her sights on a young man, I'm sure, me, we weren't dating yet, but I believe. <laughs> Edie was uh, with some of our mutual friends, and she was on, in Houston, Texas, and she had stopped by to see her dad. Her dad worked as a, a big machine uh, supervisor for a construction company. They were doing uh, constructing work on a highway between Beaumont, Texas, and Houston, Texas, and Edie was with a group of our friends, and they were going to New Braunfels, uh, to float down the Guadalupe River. And uh, they were stopping off in Houston to do a little shopping. And so Edie got stopped to see her dad, and then she went on uh, to Houston. They stopped in Houston to do a little shopping when Edie gets a call um, that she needs to come home. And you know that's not good. She got the call that she needs to come home because her dad had been killed in an accident just a few hours after Edie had seen him. Um, and he was supervising, taking part of a crane. Edie was saying uh, Friday that she was coming home uh, from seeing our granddaughter, and um, she saw the big cranes, and it just, again, just again, triggered that thought, that reminder. My dad died by something like that. And that's on a Friday, and so... Edie and her mom and her two sisters and brother, they get together. Everybody comes in town, and they're, they're grieving and mourning together, getting ready for um, the next thing, which would be a memorial service for her dad. On Sunday, as they're getting ready for that memorial service, 
um, that morning, tragedy struck again. And commotion, screaming in the house, and Edie comes in and she finds her mother uh, down on the ground. And Edie gets down on her hands and knees and puts her mother's head in her lap and, and her mother dies. That's on Sunday. Now, how do, you, how do you get beyond that? How do you walk through that kind of tragedy? There are people that would say it's, you know, it just try to find as much help and hope as you can, anywhere you can. Just, just chase away the pain with pleasure or do anything uh, just to escape. Numb yourself to the pain. Be sure and get some counseling. All those um, things would be pieces of advice that you might tell yourself or others might tell you. But over time, through the ups and downs, Edie discovered again and again and again that she is a work of art. That she has joy and peace and life because of Jesus. And she has good work that God has established for her to do. Getting to that place and staying at that place is a, a lifelong journey for all of us, but for Edie as well. What's wonderful is that when we went to pastor a church in Mississippi and then came here, God has always planted in Edie's life specific mentors, older ladies come around her to support her, strengthen her, encourage her, teach her. One lady in our previous church, a lady named Mary Stroud, Mary and her husband Doug were great friends to our family but significantly older than us. We went to that church when I was 30 years old, and Mary and Doug were already in retirement at that time. Before our time there in Mississippi, in Vicksburg, Mary Stroud came alongside Edie. And through the ups and downs, through the ins and outs, being a young mother without a mother, Mary Stroud was there holding her hand, praying for her, encouraging her, just blessing her socks off. What's interesting is Edie and I were at a meeting of pastors uh, just last week or two weeks ago, and and at that meeting of pastors, uh, a pastor's wife from Texas came up and was talking about their church, and Edie and this pastor's wife found a common connection. See, Mary Stroud had a daughter whose name was Pam. And Pam had watched her mother be an encouragement and a strength to Edie. And so when Pam moved to Texas and started going to this church, Pam became an encouragement and a strength to this young pastor's wife. Can I tell you, that 
is the good work. You know, our church has five generations. Five. Every single week, five generations. We're, we are five generations spread throughout. And even though it can be challenging at times, because I will start singing um, Amarillo by morning up from San Antonio. And some of y'all don't even know who that is or what that is. Y'all are just like, well, what a weird person. Some of y'all will start singing some Frank Sinatra song, and I'm like, what? Who? Uh, some some uh, start singing uh, good country music like Hank Williams or Hank Williams Jr., and then others of you start singing bad country music like Florida Georgia Line. <laughs> Big band. You know, all the... It, Five generations can be hard because we come from different places and we've had different experiences. But guys, I, I got to tell you, God established this church to be a five-generation church so that we can support one another and strengthen one another and help one another. The good work. So that some of you who are older can come alongside those who are younger and be a source of strength and support and encouragement. I, I've got to tell you, ladies, I, I really do believe that there are some young ladies here in this room, in this church, who need you to be Mary Stroud to them. Now wonder what kind of life-giving joy that would be for you if you stop thinking only about the stuff that you're getting out of this gathering and start thinking, how can I invest? Be like Mary Stroud to that younger, precious lady. And so you younger ladies, you need to search out and seek out these older mentors that can come alongside you and help you and encourage you and strengthen you. Can I tell you, Edie has found those precious ladies in every church we've been at. And there are many in this church who have been that for her and are that for her today. You know, we do different programming things. Very, very, uh, they're, not, they're not haphazard. They're very strategic. So when we talk about girls' night out that's coming up in a couple of weeks, that's not just so you can come and, and uh, be a connoisseur of food or a speaker. The reason we do girls' night out is so that one generation can come alongside another generation. And you can find community there and you can do the good work for each other. So today, I, I just want to close with this, and this is, I, I, I know that you know how important it is to get outside of ourselves and invest our time and our energy and our effort in doing the good work, but you've got to do the good work from the right source. See, the source begins in understanding who you are. You're a work of art created by Christ Jesus because you've placed your trust in Jesus and received God's grace. You are this work of art 
And your identity comes as you continually connect to Jesus and pursue him with your whole heart. If you're here this morning as a follower of Jesus and you're lacking joy, please begin. How well am I pursuing Jesus? Am I connecting with him? And then flowing out of that relationship with Jesus, do the good work. It's not all about you. It's about how well we invest in each other. My wife is a masterpiece. And she'll be the first to tell you, and maybe a little bit uncomfortable right now, she'll say, I'm not perfect. Don't say that about me. But I can, because Jesus has made her a masterpiece. That's who she is. But can I also tell you, because of who Jesus has made her, she pours out herself doing the good in the lives of her daughters and others. And I'm thankful for her because she makes me a better man. Doesn't have to be your wife or your husband who does that. God places you in this family of faith so that you can find that relationship here. Whatever stage of life you're in, my challenge to you is to find that mentor or be that mentor and begin today. Would you bow your heads with me, please? These next few moments as we sing our praise to Jesus and focus on Him as the foundation of our life and as we think about Him and how He has been gracious to us, I pray for you this morning, that you would lean into what God has made available for you through faith in Christ. If you're here today and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you're still dead in your sin and trespass, my prayer is that God would give you the courage to cry out to Him by faith and turn to Jesus for the very first time and be rescued from an empty life. My prayer is for you to come to Christ and find the courage to do that. And there are going to be ministers here at the front. You can come and talk to them. Or at the end of the service, you can go to the next steps and say, how do I come to Christ? How do I experience a relationship with Him? For those of us in the room who are followers of Christ and those online who are followers of Christ, this morning I invite you today, oh my goodness, please, commit yourself and find your identity in who God has made you to be. Connect every day to the value and the identity that God has given you as a follower of Jesus by pursuing Jesus. And then live out that identity by doing the good work that he's given you to do. And now, Father, in these next few moments, may we rejoice in the gift of grace that you've given us in Christ Jesus. May we celebrate with joy together all that you've done for us. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray.